Hey guys, welcome to the third and final episode in our discussion with Kojua Kotobwatsing, one of the foremost agribusiness consultants we have in this country. It was a very, very insightful se session that we had with him. The first part, we spoke about agribusiness overview in general. Second part, we spoke about agri as a business, and we spoke a little bit about the challenges that you're you going to face and how to deal with them as they come up. And in this final part, the live audience had a chance to ask questions to the, to the consultant, and he actually gave some detailed responses, which gave even more perspective to the issue of agribusiness in Ghana. And so I hope you enjoyed this session. Remember, if you have questions yourself, feel free to post them. You can email it to me um, via the podcast email, and we will address it for you with the consultant's um, input as well. So thank you very much. Stick and stay. Remember to share this with you, with your network as well, and let's learn and grow together as one big happy family. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. That's a very deep, a deep overview. I mean, I wish I wish there was more time to go into even more details, but this has given me a lot of perspective. And I hope those of us and on the call have also got some perspective. I, ha I have quite a lot of questions, but I'm, I'm just going to ask, I'm, I'm going to start off by asking asking one and I'll give the floor to anybody who wants to ask questions. So please, and um, whilst we are we are preparing, if you have a question, please put your hand up so that I mean we can um, give you the permission to unmute your mic and they can ask the question. So go ahead and put your hand up. And so I'm going to set, set the pace by asking the first question. But thank you very much for, for all that you have you, you have shared. I mean, it's very, very insightful. And um, you see, but you spoke about the cost of capital and skill and all those things. But most of us, we are JJC. We are just trying to Charlie <laughs> do something small here and something there. So how how um and also of course there's a, there's the issue of spoilage. So you produce the thing and the spoilage. I know you addressed this. And later on. So my question is, with all these things, high cost of capital, the risk of spoilage and all those things, and the fact that the imported products are coming in with a lot of subsidies, how are you then able to produce the thing and then sell at an affordable price for people to actually buy and then you end up making profit? Because if you obviously don't make profit, then you're you are, you are not in business. I mean, business thrives on profit. So I don't know if it's an easy question to answer, but <laughs> since you are, you are now directly in the space, how is it possible for, for those of us who are trying to start on a small scale to, to actually make some profits and stay in business to grow it? Let's employ the same principle of startups. Think big, start small, scale fast, right? Yes. Um, if you want to grow maize, for example, and you have one acre of land, it will cost you 3,300 acres to buy your seed, weedicide, herbicide, insecticide, and your fertilizers to plant maize. 3,300 acres for the average middle class person, you should be able to find 3,300 cities per, uh, uh, to plant an acre of uh, maize, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you do this protocol very well, you get at least 30 bags, um, 30 bags um, of, of maize. Now, a bag of maize is selling for 200 cities. So that brings you to 6,000 Ghana cities, right? Now, let's say cost of labor and other activities on the land is also 1,200. So your cost of production is about maybe 4,500 uh, or 5,000 cities, right? But you are earning minimum 6,000 cities back. 
And when you plant maize, it takes you 115 days, 120 days. So let's say three months or four months, right? So in four or five months, you are making a profit of a thousand cities. If you have to do that in percentage term on your investment, it's better than you would get from any of your banking stuff, right? So you can you can start small. If you realist, realistically start doing, say, five acres of maize, you're getting 5,000 CDs minimum, right, in five months. That is not bad, looking at it from the investment perspective. So if you want to do anything agribusiness, I always say that start very small and be experimental. A lot of the things that I do, I have been very intentionally experimental about them. So I experiment and I go along with it. Once I feel that at this particular point, I have enough skill, then I'll expand. When we started Cashew about 12 years ago with my mother, back then it was being promoted. It's, it's over 12 years ago, like 16, 17 years ago by Kofor's government. We're not sure what Cashew was. So we did about two acres. Once we did it and we got to know how to manage your Cashew fields and we expanded to six acres. Then at a point, 10 acres. Now we have about 25 acres of cashew, right? And if you sit on 25 acres of cashew and the prices are good, um, realistically, if you're a bank teller, you can quit your job and live on the cashew money. <laughs> so, so it's like any other business. You have to think big. If you do your research and put everything together, you start very small so that you reduce the risk. Sometimes when you start big and you are hit, you are really hit. So you think you start small and you skill very fast. All right. Thank you very much. So think, start small and skill fast. Okay. I've made, I've made a note of that. All right, guys, the floor is open. If anybody has a question they want to ask, please put up your hand and we'll give you the opportunity to ask your question. Um, time is fast spent, so we don't want to be, you, you don't want to miss this opportunity. Please go ahead and put up your hand and we can unmute your mic. Okay, Irene. Okay, Irene, go ahead. Thank you very much for great presentation. Um, thanks for putting this together, Dr. Kelvin. So question is that, um, so Kojo mentioned that he and his mother currently have 25 acres of cashew, right? So let's say that, okay, so I'm a busy person, right? I guess that all of us, you know, are busy or engaged in different activities, right? What tips or what advice would you give um, to, to us who want to start, right? Because for instance, I wouldn't probably be able to go and then live at the area where I'm farming, right? Or be at the area, right? So in terms of maybe hiring workers, you know, how, what's the best way to go about handling that? <laughs> yes, you this, know, this, taking, uh, taking the fact, but then how, I don't know if you are getting my question. Yeah. I get you. Um, one of the biggest okay, problems okay. a lot of people we've spoken to over the years is um, how unreliable workers are when it comes to agribusiness. But the truth is, it's everywhere. It's not just agribusiness. Every business you run, uh, the kind of workers you get and the support system you get, they're unreliable. They will steal from you and everything. You may want to find land close to where you work. You may want to find land close to where you work as much as possible. You may want to partner other people in the area uh, so that when it comes to monitoring, and supervision of your of your of your business is always not you. What I've noticed is that a lot of us always want to go alone. So you're a very busy person. Maybe you have some two hundred thousand students somewhere. Want to invest in something, but you still want to own it alone. It's always best 
to to research and get the right people and also give them value. Um, let me give you this example beyond agribusiness. The first business I started was a technology company. It's called Stimulus Technologies Limited. Um, we are into websites, web apps, and all those things. We built Prudential Life websites. We built Africa Continental Free Trade Area, Noguchi, EIB, CT, CDD. Like we've done work, international and local websites, over 200 websites to our credit. When I started that business, I had basic web development and coding knowledge, right? And I employed some people. With time, I realized that one of them was very committed to the business. So I sat him down and I gave him a stake in the business. In fact, I when I was when I was doing that, my friend said it was foolish. I foolishly gave, so I'm going to use the um, example of my friends. I foolishly gave him 50% of the business, right? Now, seven years on, the business is thriving. The business employs new people. I do not play in the day-to-day -day activities of the business and the business is making money. Um, you may say that my case is unique because I probably chanced upon a very good person. We are all good people and we are all bad people. It depends on the conditions we find ourselves in. So I believe that if you want to do agribusiness or any other business for that matter, you need to look at the environment, your geographical location and the resources available. If there are incentives you can use to attract the values you want from the people, right? You then use those incentives to get those values. So there are a lot of um, these agri... Look, if you go to Legon right now and you go to the School of Agri and you go and see Prof. Irene, Irene is it Prof. Irene, Prof. Irene, and you tell her, Charlie, I want to do agri. I have land here and I'm looking for trusted people to work with. She may be able to find some of her students who are not working, but who are graduates from agribusiness to, to go work with you. If you de de design the business and plan like a proper business and you put in place all the cost lines, um, wages and salaries and all those things, and you did your modeling and, and your returns can pay that person well, and you pick the person on, I'm sure you can do something. So it's, it's not a straightforward answer. Like any other business, getting people to work with is difficult. When we started the cashew, my mom was in Kumase and realized that when it was time to harvest, whenever we go, we don't get much because the people harvest the thing and go and sell it and tell our stories. So with time, I built a house in the village. My mom moved there, went to stay there because it's, it's our own village. That's where we are from. And for the past 15 years, she's been there. And when she moved there, we realized that we could expand. So we've expanded that and cashew is making us money. So you always need a trusted partner or a trusted person to work on it for you. And like any other business, you face challenges with people. So you have to pray, you have to research, you have to look into the system. There are agribusiness associations and groups that you can tap into to see if you can get people you can work with or partner to work with. I think this is the best answer I can give you, Irene. All right, we have Kofi also with his hand up. So Kofi, please go ahead. <clears throat> Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kelvin, for organizing this very, very uh, nice program. And uh, um, uh, to, the, to the presenter, Kodra Kotoba thing, I just want to tell you, I'm a very, very big fan of yours. You know, some years back, I had a very long commute from um, from my, my where I was living to my workplace and the city breakfast show really took the stress out of the long drive. 
So mm -hmm. I just want to thank you so much. It's a great opportunity to be in this meeting with you. So to my question, I just wanted to ask about um, the land aspect of the business. What do you advise in acquiring land to do this agribusiness? Is it is leasing better or do you have to buy? You know, I just want a bit of advice from that angle. Thank you. Thank you too. Um, it depends on what you want to do and how you want to do it. For example, if you want to do tree crops, cocoa, coconut, and all these things, these are long-term crops, right? Um, when you plant any of them, you have to wait for four years before you start harvesting. So you may want to consider a long lease from the landowners. Now, the land administration system has changed. The new land laws um, does not allow landowners to sell farmlands outright. I've not read it in detail, but these are some of the summaries I know. So you can only lease the land for a certain period, right? So you should always consider a long lease of about 30, 40 years. Why am I saying 30 years? We are all in our 30s. Yacha in 30 years, you lease it for, for about 30 years. And as you go along, you can extend and renew if you see more opportunities going forward. If you are doing grains, for example, maize, soya, sorghum, and all those things, there are places you can rent land for the season. So you can rent land for like a year for say 100 cities per acre uh, for, for the year. So if you want to do, if you don't have enough capital to lease the land long-term, there are places you can rent land to farm. So you rent for the year, you farm, you make extra money, then you rent some more to farm, you build your capital, and then you might you may consider leasing for the long term. Last time I was in, in the eastern region to look for land for a hundred acre maize project. That's around Manguasi. They told me an acre was going for um 10,000 cities, right? So for the hundred acres, I needed one million Ghana cities to buy. Who has a million Ghana cities to go and buy land? Then once you buy the land. You do land development where you go and clear the trees. And if you have to do irrigation, you do that as well. Then once you finish that, you need to look for money for your input and mechanization. It doesn't make sense, right? So um, those are some of the things. I have been on a campaign to get the states and landowners, like the big chiefs and um, institutions, to release the lands they have. For example, if um, let me use Amrahia as an example. I live in Amrahia. The chiefs of Katamansu should be able to release like a thousand acres of land. And then there's an arrangement to develop the land and leave it there for people to rent to farm. So that your initial capital cost is not high. The, because people have to find a lot of money to buy land and lease land long-term to farm. That's what is resulting in the case where we don't have a lot of large-scale commercial farmers, right? Because we don't have the capital. Banks don't lend to you. If we are lending to you now too, they won't give you a moratorium um, before you, you, you start paying. The moment they give you the money now, they expect you to start paying. Now you are going to buy land, clear the land, develop the land, make it ready in some way. So you may want to consider leasing if you want to do tree crops uh, and long-term crops, or you rent. If you are doing something like rice, you don't want to rent. You have to lease for like five, 10 years because once you get the land, you need to do land development and build your irrigation canals and all those things. You'll use about six months to do that. So if you are renting land and investing so much in that, it doesn't make sense. So it depends on what you want to do, really. 
All right, thank you very much for that, Kojo. And so just to clarify, rent is like uh, was short term, month to month, and then leases in is counted in years. Is that what we are talking about? Yes. So so, so the rent they usually do it annual, right? <clears throat> okay. So you rent the land for a year, and the leases are usually five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty years, forty years, depending right. on you. But um, if you are doing any of the cash crops. In 30 years, in even 15 years, you would have gotten all your returns and made so much profit from it. So if you don't have so much money and you're not greedy, you can lease the land for say 20 years, right? In the first no, but, five but, but, but a, a little greed is required in business. Otherwise, you know, you have to ask for a big, big aspiration. <laughs> yes, a little, a little greed is required in business, but sometimes to if you think sustainably. Sometimes people like us go into people's villages and their lands to take their land almost forever to farm. And because the locals don't have the financial capital, uh, strength we have, they're reduced to farming their one acre, two acres. So how about you lease the land for 20 years, 30 years. Once you finish, the land reverts back to the owners and the community. So the community can also benefit from it. You get it. Yes. Because we are moving from the city to take lands from villages, and people from the villages are rather moving to the cities to come and look for jobs. There should be a way where we all work together with our resources from the city and partner the people in the villages. For example, if the villages are all going to put aside a thousand acres, each, each village put aside a thousand acres, and we get partners like us to come and um, sort of develop them, then every person who wants to farm, whether long-term or short-term, you come, you take your five acres, you farm. At the end of the season, you pay for, for your land rent, even with, with your produce, like it used to happen in the olden days, right? Our, our, our forebears were very smart. Mm -hmm. They understand that's, that's the value of resource sharing. It's just that we've, we've over-deployed capitalization and profit-seeking such that We've thrown away some of those principles and now it's becoming a problem for us. So those are some of the things. All right. So there's been a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, like a lot of challenges have been discussed. Um, but as you're wrapping up, I want you to tell us, so is it worth it to go into agribusiness today? Well, Doc, you eat every day. <laughs> <laughs> you... You eat every day. So um, if you eating every day is worth it, then it's also very worth it for somebody to plant for you to eat. That's number one. And as long as people will keep eating, um, there'll be demand for agribusiness agri products. The thing is that in, in Africa, we, we, we underproduce the food we need. So with anything you do, like I said, if you structure your business right, if you structure your business right and dot all your I's and cross all your T's, you will make profit. If you structure it right, you make profit. In fact, these days, there's even a Greek insurance. So we take a Greek insurance. So you plant and you have your protocols and a disaster happens. A Greek insurance comes to your aid. Back then, all those things were not there. So if you go into farming and something happens, then that's just about it. So... There are different things. Like I said, one day when we have the time, we can take some of the things step by step. Maybe um, you can put up a poll and ask um, participants 
if they want us to talk, say, about poultry industry or talk about, say, the grains industry or tree crops, then we have a full presentation on tree crops and everything, go through business plans for these things, for you to understand what goes into it and some of the returns. And it will blow your mind to know that maize, rice, and soya, those, those things are some of the least valuable agri-produce if you are if you are producing them for business when it comes to returns right there are things that can give you up to 100 return on investment per season wow. it's all about planting <laughs> it right for for example pepper and tomatoes and all those things the reason why we are suffering in this country is post-harvest losses mm -hmm. so if if we if we had simple technologies to process some of these things We'll be getting close to 100% return on investment on some of these veggies. I have started experimenting a few things, and for the purpose of this session, I'll share. So I have a tomato powder product, right? So you take the tomatoes, you dehydrate, com um, convert to powder, and you can store for up to five years. So all the tomato going waste, if we had simple technologies at the farm gates, they could, they could, they could process some of them. We eat what we need to eat now, and we convert a lot of the rest into powder. And almost all the things we eat can be converted into powder and rehydrated. There's mm -hmm. also freeze-drying technology that you can use to freeze-dry almost every vegetable, every herb, meat, even eggs. You can freeze-dry eggs and package them and eat them later, convert them into powder. So these are the things that the West has that we don't have. So all these foodstuffs, canned food and all these things we are eating are things that we process. We don't have that processing capacity. Luckily for us, we have the sun. So we can mm -hmm. use solar drying technologies to dry a lot of the things we have and then uh, augment that with gas drying in dehydrators and free drying technologies to, to keep the value within. But we lose a lot when it comes to agribusiness. So um, these are some of the things. Well, guys, you had it. We we'll definitely do that poll, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get Kujo to come again. Hopefully next month. I mean, Charlie, you have to make time, make time, and come next month, and let's discuss one. So we'll do the poll, and we'll pick, we'll pick one, one subject that we can, we can delve deeper into it. But quickly, there are some three, three notes um, in, in the chat box. Let me just go through them so that, so that you can touch on them before we, before we disperse. So the first one is from Irene. She says that. Um, you, you mentioned that you can take the stress off our heads. Um, I think, he, okay, let me read. He mentioned how we can partner with him and take the stress off our heads. Can you please let him go over that again before we close? Okay. And then the second one is talking about the crowd, uh, the, the details about the crowdfunding aspect of your business. What's the risk involved in it for me as an investor? Okay, so okay. those are the two. So let's assume Irene wants to go into rice production. Irene is a busy woman in Accra. She cannot be in the bush even one day to, to supervise. I have agronomists, I have experience. So Irene will bring some funding based on the scope she wants to do. If I have to also bring funding or whatever resources I bring it, we can have a joint venture and we do Irene Rice. Or Irene can employ me as a farm management agency to manage her farming business. And then we 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 charge management fees, so that's also there. Or Irene could just lend me money through my crowdfunding scheme. I'll use it to farm. At the end of the season, I'll give her her money back plus some interest. That is also there. So anything you want to do in a Greek, or Irene could just come and we sit her down 
and develop the whole business and give it to her to go and execute if she has the capacity to execute. So those are some of the things um, I mean, I, I meant to say when I said um, you could come to us for us to help you. Uh, so that's it. Um, Gavor wanted to know about the crowdfunding aspect of our business. So if you don't mind, I can use the next two minutes and share my screen again and show you something about the crowdfunding aspect of our All business. Right. Um, so let me go here. So we call it Insirwa, um, and that's the crowdfunding business. We founded it in 2021. Now it's a crowdfunding platform that enables you to sponsor farms. We don't use investing farms because we are not a banking institution and they are still working on our law and regulations. So we use the term sponsor. So you sponsor farms and food production activities and get return on sponsorship. And since 2021, we have raised funds to support the production of maize, soya, and rice on about 5,000 acres of land under large-scale irrigation and smallholder agrowal groups. Um, we funded production activities that supported over 700 farmers over, uh, over the period between 2021 and 2022. And we've done a total of 5,000 acres of rice, soya, and maize. We've done them in Tumu, in Eswichari, in Weta, in Poglo, in Golokwati, and Walewale. Um, our soya was sold to Vesta Oil Mills and Ghana Nuts Limited. They use it to make vegetable oil. Our maize is sold to Rosanne's Food Limited and Ransboat Farms. Um, they use it to their large-scale poultry farms, about 50, Rosanne's is about 50,000 capacity poultry farm. Ransboat is also about 50,000. And uh, uh, rice goes to New Age Rice Mills. That is what became the EVV rice. Now, the people you see in the photo are people who are sponsors, who contributed to the production uh, for the rice project. So we organize regular trips to the farm for them to see what's happening. So if you can't be an active farm and get your hands dirty, at least you can get to be, go to the farm regularly to see what's happening, also to learn about the various commodities we work, up, we work on. So our mission basically is to create opportunities for people interested in farming, but cannot actively do it, to invest in farming and agri-production help people live the dream of being virtual farmers while galvanizing support for smallholder farmers and value chain actors. So EVV Rice is our rice brand. Last year, we raised 2.2 million cities for the major season rice project, and we did 1,000 acres. Minor season, we raised 1.79 million cities for the minor season rice project, and we did 698 acres of rice. And so over the years, these are the uh, previous projects we've done. We did Soya at Babato, which is um, a fully irrigated farming company in the Savannah region, 1,000 acres. We did maize in Babato, also 1,000 acres. For the Soya, the duration of six months, we were able to pay 15% return on sponsorship to our sponsors. The maize, the duration of six months, we did 14% return on sponsorship to our sponsors. The rice major season, it was nine months. We did 17% return on sponsorship. The reason why rice was nine months instead of six months is that back then we didn't have a rice mill of our own. We were milling with other people and the milling process was inconsistent. So we had to stretch the, the, the timing so that we could mill all the rice we we're producing. Like I said, if you are growing and you grow it in bulk, 
and you don't have the right milling and harvesting overbooker. So we spread it such that we could harvest in bits and pieces and mill and put it on the market. But now we've built our own rice mill. So we are working with a six month cycle for rice. The rice is ready in four months. We harvest within a month and mill and put it on the market and sell and get money back. At the height of the fertilizer crisis, we did a fertilizer project where we raised money to buy fertilizer for farmers in Tumu and Waliwale. We did 1,800 acres of that and we were able to pay the sponsors 12 month return after six months. Now we have a minor season running. Our target was to do 2,500 acres. We couldn't, we did only 698 acres. Um, and the projected return on sponsorship is 16 to 20%. Now our returns are always not fixed, it's a range. You're seeing these fixed numbers here because that was what we got after we harvested. For the soya, the range was 13 to 16%, no, 12 to 16%, but the harvest was good, so we were able to pay uh, 15%. The maize, the range was 12 to 17%, we were able to pay 14%. The rice was 13 to 19%, we were able to pay 17%. Fertilizer was 12 to 14%, we paid 12% because the whole season was bazaar and we got everything late. So our yields were not that good. So we were able to pay 12%. And rice, the minor season, we project to pay between 16 to 20% because now local rice is cheaper than foreign rice. Local rice is also as quality as foreign rice. So there's demand and the pricing is good. So we can pay between 16 to 20%. So for the upcoming major season of 2023, we are raising funds to farm 1,500 acres of rice in Esuchari, Golo, Kwati, Weta, and Poglo. Now, this project begins in April and ends in September 2023. So it's six months. The cost per acre is 3,480 cities. And the expected return on sponsorship is between 16 to 20%. So if you want to sponsor, you go to ensirwa.com.gh. You click on sponsor, then you can register or sign in, and then you complete your KYC forms. You take your national ID, your address, and all those things, and then you choose in serial rice. You choose the number of acres you want to sponsor. You can make payments with your Momo or your Visa card on the platform, or you can do a bank transfer of the platform. And so this is the cost of production per acre. For seed, we need um, 40 kg per acre, and it's 16 Ghana CDs. We decide 120 cities. So we've listed all the things that go into the production and it comes to 3,480 cities. And for the major season, as I said, it runs for six months from April to September, 2023. Expected returns for sponsors is valued between 16 to 20% of sponsored amount. And we give regular updates via our website, our Facebook, Instagram, and um, WhatsApp as well. So we create a WhatsApp group and put all the sponsors for the season in it. And then we, we give updates and then we also take you to the field. So this is basically in Sirwa and it's run by Wicom Agri-Media, our partners, New Age, Chigaba, and the Ghana Agric Insurance Pool. So that's basically about our crowdfunding. So those who asked um, for the questions, um, that's the question on the crowdfunding. That's a quick update on that. Thank you. Please, somebody, somebody wants to know this one does debt exchange affect it? <laughs> um, debt exchange doesn't affect this because this is um real sector investment. We take the money, <laughs> we go and buy seed and fertilizer, and we farm. 
we are not going to buy government bonds. <laughs> what will affect it is the various challenges with farming. So um, pest disease and all those things. For, for the rice, we farm the rice in irrigated fields, so we don't have what, a problem with water. But the various challenges with farming are some of the things that are the risks involved. That's why we also ensure that we are always in the field working. The reason why I left radio is because I can't possibly take people's 2.2 million cities that we are farming rice, and I'm always sitting on radio in the morning talking. When the farm is in the bush, you need to be present to ensure that you are doing right by people's money. And it's not all, only just for people's money. You're also protecting your image because in the end, I'm far. People will say, ah, acquire your radio, so they be China. So there are a lot of things at stake. You get it. Uh -huh. So in, a, in any business, there, is, there are risks. Uh, main risk mitigation is we take agri-insurance so that CBB, if everything goes south, at least we will get our investment back, our, our primary principal, we'll get it back. Um, we also make sure we use the right protocols and we are always present to do the right thing to give us the returns we are looking for. All right, all right. Thank you very much. This has been a very enlightening um, session. I'm very, very excited for the opportunities that um, that abound in agri agri, sec agri sector. I mean, I'm definitely interested. I mean, I've always been um, biased towards agri. It's just that time, time, and 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 money. So now that we have um, we have a means to get started, small, small, we'll definitely do it. And I'm excited about this one. Thank you very much, Kojo, for spending this time with us. Have a fabulous evening.